We do live in a pretty uncertain world. And what I love about Peter is Peter gives addresses a church, a group of churches, that they were living in far more unstable times than maybe even we perceive ourselves. They were, they were persecuted. They were being harassed. Um, and, and Peter speaks a word of encouragement to them in this uh, time. Today we're going to focus on, last week we talked about living expectantly that we have a hope that supersedes everything on this world, that we can get up every morning and we can, and, and, and any night and we can live expectantly, that really for a Christian, we just don't have any place, that, anything to bring us down and focus on the things that would try to distract us from God and, what, and the hope that we have in him. Today we're going to talk about a word. It's called living holy, holy. Now, um, when I'm, I, I'm using the word holy in an inch, uh, in its way it's intended in the Bible, I'm expanding it a little bit. You all know the word holy, right? We sing about being holy. We read about being holy. And we go, what in the world is holy, perhaps? But then the word, there's this other word. If you put a, a W on top of it, it means holy. It means wholesome. It means together. We could understand that word. If you were going to ask the average person what it means to be holy. Anybody want to make a guess what they would say? Hey, we're at Starbucks. Hey, have you thought of uh, what it means to be holy? What would be the first reaction? Weird. You are weird. If you even got together with a bunch of Christians, say, how's that holiness going for you this week? A little awkward, right? And that's because we kind of, we do weird things with that word holy that the Bible never meant it to, to really uh, mean. And so we want to talk about something else besides holy. Holy, if I asked somebody if they understood the word holy, so do you want to be holy? No, I really want to have a good time in life. That holiness, that's for a special clan of people. Isn't that sometimes what we think? That, that's for the, the really, really good people, and that's not me. What does it mean? What does it mean to be to live holy? Well, Peter's our guide, and let's listen to First uh, Peter 13 through 22 as I read it today. I'm going to read it off the screen so you can read it with me. It's in a new uh, living version. If you have that, you can read along with. It says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, and he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. 
You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Holy. Peter begins saying these words, prepare your minds for action or get ready self-control. Because really, when you think about holy, you really have to get your head around it. You have to really kind of think, what in the world does this mean for me? The actual word where he says, prepare your minds for action, means to gird up your loins of your your uh, whatever you're, you're, you're wearing, because they would wear long flowing uh, robes. And so if you were going to run in a dress, how many know, women know that if you're going to run in a dress, you're going to fall on your face unless you do something. So you have to pick it up and you have to gird it around and then you go running for it, right? That's what it means. It means that as, the way you think, the same way you would run if you had some encumbrances there that you had some clothes you had to work with, you'd have to gather them up. That way of thinking is the, that's the same way that you are to think about your life with God. Get ready. Get your mind set. Get it sharp. We're going to take off here. Peter's about to unveil to you something that you and I need. So essential in living in a very uncertain world. Think of a runner. If you're going to be a runner, any runners in here? Anybody who's ever run? You run before, right? So when you run, first of all, you don't wear street clothes. You change your clothes a little bit. You get your body in shape and you're focusing on the goal. The mentality that a runner has, he says, that's how you have to live in a very uncertain world. Make sure your two laces are, are tied. Make sure you've got everything ready to roll. They say as we, as we get older that we need to work on our our mental skills. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, what was that name again? Where did I put my keys? Well, some of you that are in your 20s, maybe you have had that experience also. They say that you continually have to keep your mind sharp by doing things, volunteering, learning. You know, after high school, most people don't ever read a book again and you don't push yourself mentally. But here's one thing they do for us that, that put into our, the older categories. If they have a game out. And um, so you might want to go and get this. Some of you that are you know, a little older. It's called Nero Racer. And what it is, is you're basically a simple game for us that are older. It's not this high action game. And you're, you're riding down a road and there are certain signs that you're supposed to ignore and certain signs you're supposed to pay attention to. And knowing to pay attention to the right sign and, and, not, and not to the wrong side is very important to keep you focused. Well, how true for us when we want to keep ourselves focused. We have to pay attention to the right things and not pay attention to the wrong things. We have to keep our minds sharp. Otherwise, we're going to take a wrong turn. A few years ago, uh, Pam and I were in the Tri-Cities, Kennewick, Pasco, and Rich Richland. And... Uh, if you know, it kind of goes in a little bit of a loop there, and you can drive. And one time, we, um, I was driving, and I missed the exit. And you can't, get, you can't turn around very quick. You have to go quite a few miles to turn around. I wasn't paying attention enough, and it had to go around and go the other round, way. And for our lives, too, we're not paying close attention. We can miss what God has for us. And we have to take the long way around, kind of like the children of Israel, and come back again. And finally, he gets us to where our original destination is all about. Another way to say it is to uh, keep your head 
in the game. How many have ever played sports before? Have you ever heard that? How many have ever heard that spoken to you? Get your head in the game. Anybody ever hear that? Or to someone else? Yeah. Maybe you've been a coach and say, hey, you need to get your head in the game. Well, living for Jesus is, is not a game, but we need to keep our head in the game. We need to keep our minds focused or we'll easily be distracted from what God has. And so it's, it's this mentality of a, a runner, this kind of this, des, this this focus that we need to have no matter where we are in life that we never let up and keep our focus on what God has for us. And then he says, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus is revealed. That word hope is that looking forward with expectation to what God has. That's where you're headed. That's where I want you to go. Some people forget that there's a goal for their life. And they just kind of go through the motions. How many times I've heard people say, I, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. I wish I would have... Gone to school, planned for retirement, saved more money, thought about life. How much more our eternity with the Lord? To pay attention that we are going somewhere that even supersedes this world. We need to pay attention to it. Someday we will meet Jesus face to face. And we have a goal. And he's taking us there. Don't lose sight of that. Otherwise, the things of this world will distract us from that. Then he gets to the main point. Living holy. So you have to live as God's obedient children. Don't slip into the old ways of living. You didn't know any better then. Now be holy in everything you do. Holy. What does it mean to be holy? Well, it doesn't mean to be super perfect. And it sure doesn't mean to be better than anyone else. It means part of the uh, word means called out. You're called out when you're a Christian to be different than others. So many times throughout history, if you trace the history of Christianity, we have adopted so much of the culture, we forget that we're called out from it. That the values of this world are not our values. It also means dedicated to God. Called out of something and dedicated to something. There's something we come from and something we move toward. That's what holiness is all about. Think of holiness as wholeness. It's good for your soul. It's like health for your body. When you think about your body, you want to pay attention to it. You have to exercise some self-control. Some of you, you've tried to change how you live your lives. I'll just leave it like that. And you know that it's not easy to always change what you do because if everybody else does other things like this. I've determined, I looked at my cholesterol and it was not, it was higher than I wished it could be. Okay. It's, it's not like in the red zone, but it's, I, and so I'm like, I'm going to pay attention. I'm not going to, I'm going to watch that food and by golly, before I know it, I'm eating that stuff and I'm, I'm having this, having the food that puts me in a high cholesterol thing. It's like, it really takes a lot to fight against a world that, that kind of isn't always healthy for us. Holiness, number one, I'd like to share. Holiness begins with a holy respect for God. A holy respect for God. Holiness has been important to God's people throughout the centuries. When, um, when Moses was approaching God and God was manifesting himself in a burning bush that wasn't consumed, God said to him these words. Anyone know these words? 
Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. You're on holy ground. What was God trying to express to Moses about this idea that God is holy and to have respect for God? I liken it to be that God is so good that his goodness is so intense that if we were to be in the presence of his intense goodness, we would be overwhelmed. Take off your shoes, Moses. There's something here that you are to respect that it's other than you, that God is holy also. Then in the Old Testament, they, they, had, a, they had systems and they, they had uh, ways that things, ceremonies and regulations that you were not, to, to, you, were, you were to separate from things that were to contaminate from you. Consecrate yourself to them. Don't do these things because basically if you, if you touch bodily fluids or if you're, if you're around a dead body before you come to God, to God, you're called unclean. It didn't mean you were sinful. It mean you had it a respect when you came to God. Now, we might think of that as a little bit bizarre today, all these regulations. But God was trying to convey to them this idea of respect for a holy God. I wonder sometimes, have we lost that sense of respect in, in God's nearness and his, in his love for us? And his, he's our friend, that sense of respect for God. Well, Peter talks about it. He says these words. God has expectations for you. Not only does God want to give you his goodness and blessing, he has some responsibilities for us as believers. He says, remember the heavenly father to you whom you pray has no favorites. God isn't like, hey, that guy's really special. And so he's going to get extra brownie points with God. And this person He's not as special, so he's not going to get him. He has no, he's no favorites. He's going to look at all of us and evaluate all of us by how we lived our lives, not by our status, not by our ethnicity, not by our economic, uh, how much money we have, how we look. Every person is going to be evaluated someday. Now, you're not going to be judged for your sins, because they are taken up on the cross. But you will be evaluated by what you do. Because God's a holy God. And we need to respect him in what we do. Live in reverent fear him as temporary resonance. That's what he says. A good parent wants their kids to not only have good things, but to be good. A good parent wants their children to actually have good behavior. So does God for us. When he says, I want you to be good as a good parent, I want you to be like me. Isn't that what the world needs? A church that displays the goodness of God in the way we behave toward each other, toward the world. I really get tired of this saying when people say, well, I thought you were a Christian, therefore you... Have you heard that before? I thought Christians, usually for a pastor, it's usually they want money from me. You're a good pastor. You know, you're a church. You should give me some money. Where is that written? But a lot of times, they, the world holds us to a higher standard, and we back off. 
But I believe God wants us to supersede even the expectations of this world by the, the kind of goodness and love that we share with one another. Because he talks about one thing. He says, watch your desires. Watch your desires. Be careful. Don't let your desires get out of hand. Because you and I become what we desire. I desire to play guitar. So therefore, I play guitar. I kind of want to play piano. But obviously, it's not a desire that really motivates me because I have not played piano yet, right? There are desires that I have, and I tend to, to uh, live them out. How many of you know that your pastor is not perfect? I don't have to tell you that. So I'm going to tell you something that I, my wife says you should share this with the congregation, and it's totally embarrassing. And so I'm going to come clean with you today about how my desires got out of whack. So I was gambling the other – no, just kidding. Um, some of you are going to go, what is he going to talk about? So I love to play guitar, right? So I had this in my, my heart. I said, you know what? I would desire a 12-string guitar. I will play it for you someday. I want to play a 12-string guitar. So I got all caught up in this thing about getting this 12-string guitar. Well, I wanted to make sure I had enough money. I was going to sell another guitar to buy this 12-string. So I put it on Craigslist right away. You should be warned. So I put my uh, older guitar on Craigslist and immediately got a hit, and somebody wanted to pay for it, and they were going to send me a check. They sent me a check, a cashier's check. Wow. You know a cashier's check is the same as cash, right? No. It'd be just like somebody off the street writing me a check. That was my assumption the whole time. When somebody wrote a cashier's check, it would be like, wow, you're getting money. And the reason I'm sharing with you, because I'm not the only one in this congregation who's been scammed this way. So anyway, so I got this huge check, and I go, what's the big check for? Well, that's for the shipping, too. So I cashed a check, and the bank said it's a good check, and I cashed it and had a lot of money, and then the stupidity hit in. Like I got caught up in this and said, all you need to do is you just need to send us to our bank from, your, from what you got, the money for the shipping, and, uh, and we'll be good. You know what happens when you go to Craigslist and you click on, on scams? Number one, never sell anything to somebody you don't know. Number two, never sell anybody to anything that, that is, involves shipping and never send any money to anybody, right? So this is like the most embarrassing thing of 2016 for me. And I, in my three-day turnover, and I really don't want to share it with you, but then I thought, well, I got caught up in my desires and all sense went away. I look back and I go, that is the stupidest person I've ever, who, what were you thinking? Did you ever say that to yourself? What was I thinking? Got caught up in my desires and I didn't think about it. The consequences were a little cash out of my, a lot of cash out of my pocket, but they are not devastating as much as some of the things that other people are, we could get caught up in that would actually take you and your Christianity out. Got to pay attention to your desires because your desires will lead you either toward God or away from God and keep you whole and holy. 
Eugene Peterson says it this way. Hey, let's roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you felt like doing. You didn't know any better then, you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be put into, pulled into a way shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, be holy. This is the thing. I was praying about this, and I, and I, I actually I listened to a, a message by a guy named Spurgeon, and it went on for an hour, and he talked about this one thing that I thought was so important. To, for, this is the one thing I'd like to really leave with you. If you're a Christian and you love Jesus, you desire to be holy. You desire to be holy. Maybe you've had this misconstrued idea that somehow you had to have some moral perfection or that it was something that you couldn't achieve. This is the thing. Holiness is not an achievement. Holiness is not to here. I get holy, and then I'm able to show you how good I am. I know some Christians that think they're right. I know I'm firstborn, and I know I'm right. But the danger comes when being right oversees everything else I do. It's not about how I treat you. It's about being right. How many of us have been caught in the danger of trying to be right? That's not holy when I'm trying to prove that I'm somehow better than someone else. Who am I to judge another person? It happens. Go to the gym and start exercising. Okay, I'm exercising this little guy. And there's a guy night next to me. <laughs> Maybe he's not saying that, but that's my perception. I'm not here for you, big guy. I'm trying to keep this body going. Holiness is not self-generated. Holiness comes from God. Notice that God said, be holy for I'm holy. Holiness is something that God gives to us. When I have found myself in less holy behavior than I'm proud of, I can try to prove and justify my bad behavior, or I can try to shame myself because I didn't behave well. I haven't found either of those very helpful. What I go to is back to the, the grounding of my faith. And I go to God and I get on my knees. And I say, God, I'm not happy with the way I'm behaving. Look at how I'm reacting. I'm coming to you and I'm coming clean. And in that moment, that gracious moment, God pulls me out of the funk. He cleans me up. He says, it wasn't about you anyway. It was about me. And now that you stop focusing on other people's behavior and yourself, now you can focus on me. Keep your mind straight. Keep it focused. Keep it focused on me. Because you will find, as you're a believer, you will find other people's behavior that isn't very pleasing. You might even say, I thought they were a good Christian. 
Focus on Jesus and what he's doing. Offer yourself to God. Jesus is the key to a holy life. That's where Peter goes next. He says something very gospel oriented. The good news is, yes, God wants me to be holy in my behavior. And I'm accountable to God for it. You are. But Jesus is the one who works that out in our lives. He goes, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from your empty way of life you inherited. It was paid not with gold or silver, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Because Jesus has made us holy before God, we can therefore live holy in our conduct. Because God has rescued us from an empty way of life, we have power to live holy lives. It's because of the blood of Jesus that he cleanses us from our sins. So we being holy is not a burden that you bear. Oh, man, I need to really work on this holiness thing. I'm just not really working out. I'm just not this, this holy thing. I'm just like, I know that's, that's Ralph, you know, but that's not me. Let God cleanse you. Let God purify you. Let God make you what you need to be. Having been purified, he says, Having been purified through the blood of Jesus, it, it, that word, that verb means a past event that has present ramifications. It's an ongoing thing. Christ cleansed us and he is cleansing us. That's his job. Purity. I just come to God and say, Lord, make me clean. I know I'm not, but in your sight, can I be clean? And then Peter shows the effect of holiness. What does it look like when somebody lives a holy life? Oh, don't touch me. I'll be defiled by your. Is that it? The mark of holiness is love. Hmm. Holiness re results in love. One another. Listen to this. Because you've been cleansed. He says, and born again, love one another. See, holiness is not is personal, but it's never just private. It's worked out in relationship with other people. Guess what? The more people you have in your life, the more opportunities God has to work out your holiness. I can be, and I have been, as you. Sometimes frustrated, disappointed, and others are myself. Instead of looking them as an excuse or a, 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 a thing that we use to lash out at other people, what if those are opportunities that God is working in our holiness that are actually pointing to something in my heart that's not worked out yet? Every time I get irritated, frustrated, resentful, Wanting things to happen on my own agenda. Letting my desires get ahead of me. My desires, you're standing in my way kind of thing. And then somebody says something. Somebody does something that troubles me. What if that was an opportunity to God to work a little bit more of his holiness in me? That he's, my little ego needs a little work over today. Once you begin growing in holiness, your love flows more and more from your heart. Out of your soul you leave, live for him. Holiness does mean to be called out and separate. 
but not away from people. Otherwise, we'd have to leave this planet. See, the church is not people that are always that like each other. The church is not always people that are like you. What unifies us is not all these other things about our opinions. It's that our focus is on Jesus Christ. Because of what Jesus did, I can love you. Because I love Jesus more than my opinions, and I love Jesus more than your opinions, I can love you. As I kind of hinted to earlier, it's more important to be loving than to be right. When I have to choose between right and being loving, choose loving. Unfortunately, oftentimes I choose the other, trying to be right. God wants people to live fully holy lives. Think about it as healthy. If you struggle with the word holy, think about it as healthy. God wants you to be holy, healthy, connected like he is. He wants us to be good, to be good to each other, to show the world's goodness in very tangible ways. He wants us to be loving, to love each other, that our love is shown to this world in very tangible ways. I think in this uncertain world, we need holiness again. We don't need to put it aside as some archaic religious relic of people who are somehow think they're better or judgmental. I think we need to return to it because that keeps our distinctive alive. It allows us to remember that we are called to be like God in all of his goodness and all of his love because the world is starving for it. The world's confused. Just get look at the news. Nobody, it seems like nobody knows what they're doing. But they're hungry for authentic love and goodness that comes from the heart of God. That's why we're to be wholly different than this world around us. Of course, sometimes we're strange. But our strangeness isn't from us. The strangeness is the uniqueness that God gives us. We want people whose minds are attentive to God people who have a holy respect for God, and people who desire to be like Jesus in all they do.